On the show today, we will be discussing last week's um, Republican presidential forum. We'll be going through each candidate. Then we want to talk about two new stories from last week that we discussed. Should Christians leave the most secular states? Finally, we will listen to what Vice uh, President Kamala Harris is upset about. A lot to discuss, so let's get to it. Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity. I'm your host, Spencer. This is my beautiful wife, Nikki. Hello. And we're very grateful that you're joining us today. Uh, If you're new here, we like to get it out up front and early that we ourselves are very Christian, very religious folks, and this is a religious podcast. Uh, It's just the world, and especially this country that we're in, that is not a very secular, very religionless place that we find ourselves in. So, That in part is where the name comes from, and we're going to do today what we always try to do, and that's help Christians navigate this secular, religionless world around us and do it in a way that's pleasing to God. So uh, we do have some good news stories to discuss today, Uh, a lot to talk about, especially with the presidential forum. This will be focused largely on the presidential forum. Uh, We won't have time for a Bible topic today, so hopefully we can get to that next week. Uh, The chapter that we're on in Knowing Sin is quite the good chapter, so hopefully we can get to that. Uh, But before we get to anything, do you have any prayer requests, praise reports, anything of that sort? Um, I don't have any prayer requests, really. Yeah, I don't either. Um, Things are going all right in our world right now, praise God, but we would love to pray with you. So if you have prayer requests, um, please consider letting us know. Um, You don't have to be overly specific, but we would love to pray with you guys. So you can send us a comment. Our email's down in the show notes. You can send us an email. Uh, We'd love to join with you in prayer if uh, there's things that you need God to move on. So before we get into the forum, let's just get our plugs out of the way here. You guys know that we are proud members of the Christian podcast community. Very happy to be there. It's a great place to go and find about 50 to 60 Christian podcasts. Um, You know, you just subscribe to one feed, the Christian podcast community, and you get, you know, a whole host of podcasts and a whole range of different topics. So it's a great place to find some more indie Christian voices. Um, So go check that out. Links again will be in the show notes to that. And then also, you guys know we love Cardinal Contingency Solutions. Um, They're the best in the world at what they do, the counter messaging, counter uh, exploitation, um, you know, uh, travel risk management, you know, if you're a missionary or even if you're just a vacationer and you're deciding for some great reason to go and check out the Horn of Africa, <laughs> I'm sure it's mm-hmm. beautiful, could be quite dangerous though. So you don't have to go unprepared, reach out to Cardinal. They can help you know what threats are out there, but also what assets are out there in case you do run into something a little bit hairy, you know, they can help you out. So again, they'll be down in the show notes, go check them out. And then lastly, our shameless plug, let's get that out of the way. Of course, the most important plug, um, you helping us. If you do want to help us, the easiest way to do that, just drop a like or a subscribe, you know, whatever platform you're on. Uh, If you're on the podcast, you know, like Apple, and it gives you the opportunity to leave a review, that would be very helpful. Um, Consider leaving a review if you enjoy the show. And even if you just enjoy it a little bit, just, you know, be a little bit over the top in your uh, review there. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
If you want to support the show financially, we do have some affiliate links down in the show notes. Um, you can use those. They don't cost you anything additional, but we get a small percentage that helps us with doing whatever we need to do for the podcast. Um, and that would certainly be appreciated. So, all right. Um, we're talking politics, so it's music worthy. Um, politics is a horror film. Yeah. And uh, so it's music worthy. <laughs> so let's get the music going and uh, dive into our news discussion of the week. So we didn't really have time last week to discuss the Republican forum that took place. You know, we typically record on like a Thursday night just to give me time because we both work. I have a full-time job, so I can't really, you know, just record Saturday morning and then hope to get it up, you know, edited and posted. So we record typically Thursday night. I would not get up that early and record with you. Yeah, Nikki would not be willing <laughs> anyway. <Saturday>. So, um, <laughs> you know, the forum came out on Friday, so we just didn't have enough time to to sit down and listen to it and get the episode out. But we do want to talk about it. Um, so it was the summit, I think is what they called it. It was hosted by Tucker Carlson. Uh, and I think the blaze is who mm -hmm. hosted it. So we do want to address it um, because while politics is seedy and gross for the most part, it's still an important part of our life here in America. And Christians need to be engaged in the political process. That's yep. very important. Uh, so we want to start today by looking at the candidates that were at the forum. Um, there are other candidates that are running that weren't at the forum. Most notably, Donald Trump was not at the forum. So we're not going to be discussing Donald Trump because he wasn't there. Um, there were six candidates ultimately that were interviewed. We're going to discuss all six of them, kind of give our best and worst from each candidate, and mm -hmm. then what our overall thoughts were, uh, just basically taking this forum and a little bit of extra knowledge that we may have on the candidates. Um, but, uh, you know, we're not doing a deep dive into their whole political background, all this sort of stuff, because a lot of people watching this for the first time they may not have access to that. You know, they may not know all about each candidate's complete political history. So we're just kind of taking this as if you sat down to listen to it, um, or maybe you kind of just dabbled in politics a little bit. Maybe you watch CNN or Fox News a little bit at night here and there at work. So you know a little bit. That's kind of how we're taking it here. So um, that's what we're going to discuss. And we're going to discuss each candidate just in the order that they um, were uh, interviewed in the summit there. So uh, before we get rolling into the first candidate, is there anything you want to say before we just start diving into this thing? No, I'll all say right. it all at the end. Good. During. <laughs> so the first candidate up was Tim Scott. And um, well, we'll just get into best worst. Now we'll just get into overall thoughts there at the end. So um, I think Tim Scott had a couple of good discussion points during this interview. Um, you know, things from like addressing the mental health crisis in this nation um, mm -hmm. to I actually like the point or there was a point in there where he didn't really take Tucker Carlson's bait. Uh, Tucker was kind of pushing him to say whether or not um, America should have given cluster bombs to the Ukraine. And he was kind of wanting him to say yes or no. And I kind of like that Tim, or Tim Scott stood his ground and was like, if I was president, we would have never had to send them in the first place. I, mm. He didn't really give an answer, but I thought standing his ground on his point of view, 
it showed, you know, he was kind of had some resolve there, which I liked. Um, so I think it's nice to see a president stand firm. Um, but my best first Tim Scott, uh, is what, or is when he spoke about what America did for him that it could do for anybody. So let's give that a listen here. Uh, I, I will simply say that the issues that I strongly support is I believe America can do for anyone what she has done for me. We are living in a time. Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> we are living in a time when there is this pervasive force, radical left, parts of corporate America that continues to force this culture of grievance on the American people. And along with the culture of grievance comes this drug of victimhood, the narcotic of despair, that folks actually have figured out that you, that, that you can make a profit off of conflict. I want to stand in the gap and say the truth of my life disproves the lies of the radical forces that believe that we should be in constant conflict with each other. America needs positive, powerful, biblically sound leadership to regain the high ground. It's one of the reasons. We'll just stop it there. Um, but I think that's a great answer from Tim Scott. And I think it's even better that that answer came from Tim Scott. Uh, because if you guys aren't watching on YouTube or Rumble or Facebook or whatever, and you're just listening to the podcast and you're unaware uh, of who Tim Scott is, uh, Tim Scott's a black man. <laughs> now, uh, that shouldn't matter. That shouldn't even be a thing that we address in America in 2023. Um, but, you know, today, race is everything, it seems like, especially in politics. So, you know, having a black man running for president and just outright rejecting, you know, the godless left's mm -hmm. kind of constant assertion that minorities are less privileged, mm -hmm. the system's rigged against them, you know, you can never make it without a white liberal's help, all that sort of stuff. I think having Tim Scott stand up there and say, no, you can be successful just like I am because I came from where you are. Uh, I think that's a powerful message. And I think that while it would be true, no matter who said it, I think it will land better having a black man deliver it. Because again, Race seems to mean everything in America today. So I thought, awesome answer from Tim Scott. And I like that that's where he went with that answer. Yeah. I mean, I guess the things that stood out to me, since he was the first one we listened to, it's just nice hearing somebody talk about um, the borders being secure and the fentanyl being a big issue, especially us living here in New Mexico. We have seen how... There's way more homeless people oh, yeah. than when we lived here six or seven years ago. Um, you can just see how not securing our borders, um, just not having just the, the, the drug cartel. I mean, there's just nothing being done. Just a lot of damage can happen in a short amount of time. Um, it's just one of the main things. Uh, just a big one for me. Yeah. So it was just good. Hearing, I know they all kind of talk about it, but that's what I put down for uh, just hearing him first. Yeah, so he did seem is... to have a strong stance on the border, which is, you know, great to hear. Again, a lot of politicians say that, but we do have recent evidence that a Republican who was strong on the border actually tried to do something on the border with Donald Trump. So 
you can maybe say, oh, if Tim Scott learned from what Trump did and was actually tough on the border, you can kind of start making a difference down there. So it is good because we do need to clean it up for sure. Yeah. Was it him that was on The View? Yeah. And he was great on The View as well. Um, yeah. Because again, they were trying to play the race card with him and he was not having any of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. The little bit that they showed. I can't stand watching The View. Like I just... I don't it's think anybody so does. They have to just get money from the Democratic National Convention. I don't know how they stay on the air. But um, that was good that he was on there uh, just to be the one that wasn't playing the victim, I guess. They need to be reminded. Yeah. I mean, he's at least courageous in that respect to go on there and face detractors and, you know, again, stood firm, stood his ground there. So Tim Scott doesn't seem like a guy that's easily moved, um, which is nice mm-hmm. to see. Um, I like that. So, but that doesn't mean it was all good. Um, certainly had some uh, bad moments here. So my worst moment from Tim Scott, uh, well, let's just play it, unfortunately. My mama wanted to preach or someone will stand up and do it the Southern <laughs> way. Preach! Hallelujah! So. Just that short clip, but, oh, painful to watch. Now, listen, we're Christians. This is a Christian show. And in a sense, you should be like, all, you know, glad. It should be great to hear a politician say something like this on a national stage. You know, he did this quite a few times, you know, praise the Lord and hallelujah and all this sort of stuff. It should feel great. And part of you, it is nice to see that. But boy, to me, it just, it kind of came across as contrived, you know, kind of like it was his pre-planning for the summit, you know, hey, lean into your faith here because I've heard, again, I don't know who was there, but they mentioned multiple times that there was over 500 pastors in the audience. Um, This was the Family Leadership Summit Uh, It's all about, you know, Christian uh, evangelicals, family, you know, that sort of stuff. So it just felt awkward. And then not even that, but he was the only one out of all the six candidates who the whole time he was up there talking, Tucker would ask him a question and then he would get up and walk. Mm -hmm. So like Tucker's just sitting behind him, like twiddling his thumbs and he was out there talking to the crowd and just, boy, it seemed really bad. It just seemed really hacky. Uh, if that's a real word, just, boy, I thought it was a terrible look. Yeah, that was the one thing that I noticed too. I just, it just kind of bugged me. It just, it was just a little too extra and it wasn't necessary. It just kind of seemed like an act just to sway certain people. Maybe um, we should just be voting on where he stands on certain issues and not on how well he acts like a preacher um yeah and again i don't know tim scott that well so this could just be his thing maybe he's maybe just uh yeah overt in your face you know like he's mama better, raised a preacher like he's he said gonna have to keep it up or you're gonna know <laughs> yeah. it was an act yeah you better keep this up everywhere you go or yeah else it's, it's an act did he do it on the view <laughs> i wonder um so that was just a really cringy moment uh, not the most cringy moment as we'll get to throughout the rest of this but that was a bad one so my over, uh, overall thoughts on Tim Scott. Um, again, I know him a little bit, but I don't know him that well. Um, he's the senator from South Carolina. I believe he's the first black senator in South Carolina's history. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. But uh, so great, great accomplishments. And he seems, 
like a good Republican senator. Um, I don't really have many gripes. I haven't heard anything from him that makes you think he's sort of a, you know, a liberal in disguise sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, my thoughts are he's just not the man for the job today. Uh, I think he's a solid Republican, like I said, uh, but I think that's about it. That's the sense that I get from him. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't buy the like exuberant Christian shtick. I think it's just, it seemed forced. It seemed awkward. Um, and it doesn't help. Again, just a little bit of backstory on Tim Scott that I've heard and looked up to verify that it was true. You know, he's supposedly this exuberant Christian, hallelujah, you know, kind of man, yet he's 57 years old and has never been married. Uh, I don't know, just not buying it on that point alone. Mm-hmm. You could say that that's, um, you know, nitpicky. That's not a big issue. But if you're a Sorry. rock solid Christian to the core type of person and you're 57 and never been married, that get, I mean, again, I'm just telling you what I think. Look, that gives me great pause. Like, well, what's the deal with your faith? Like, why haven't you ever been married? Yeah. What's going on with that? That it's- seems weird to me. Yeah, it does make you question, um, like, you want to be able to re- relate to him or him to relate to families. Um, he needs to understand uh, the love you have for a wife and for kids and just, you want someone who gets it. And you want to know that he values family, that family is the building block of America. So you just, yeah. So, um and also, I know people would want to vote for him just because he's black and it could be an advantage. And I am pleased with where he stands on issues. And I just don't want his skin color to be a reason someone votes for him because he is qualified. Um, obviously, he has good intentions and he seems like a, a godly man outside of just the the questioning of why he's never married. Yeah. No, and, you know, obviously identity politics works. That's the reason why politicians use it. Um, and I would say he's not the only candidate in this forum that uses identity politics. Uh, and I will say he didn't use it. I don't, he didn't lean into his race of like, hey, I'm a black guy. Yeah. So he didn't do any of that. So I'm not trying to say that. Yeah. Um, but it is natural, right? I think it's human nature. You want people, you like to be around people, you associate with people that look like you, think like you. That's human nature for everybody. Yeah. Um, so I think if all things were being equal, you know, every candidate was just as good and you're a black person, you might go, well, there's got to be a tiebreaker somehow. Yeah. I'll vote for the, tie- the black guy. I'm a girl. Be... I'll vote for the girl if all things are equal. Yeah. Like there's Christian Republicans. And I don't think that's wrong. Yeah. Who would not really know and they just be like, well. We we can vote for him because, you know, they still have that mindset. Vote for the minority. Like there's, you know, right. Christians and, who still You know, think if it's, it's the right. thing where it's all things are equal, you got six great candidates and I can't make a decision, so I'll vote for the guy who looks like me. I don't think there's a problem with that. It becomes a problem when you're like, it's Barack Obama and I disagree with everything the guy says, but yeah. wouldn't it be great to have a black president? Now that becomes a problem. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, again, we're just Throwing that out there, Tim Scott didn't do any of that um, other than his great answer that I played earlier talking about his experience growing up. So all in all, fine candidate, Mm -hmm. maybe in years gone by, you know, maybe in 2004, he might have been a great candidate in my opinion. But 
for today, I just don't get the sense. Again, things could change as we go through the, uh, I mean, the, it's still early in the process, so things could change. And if you guys have insider baseball on Tim Scott, let us know in the comments. Yeah, it's not um, like we touched on every subject or, you know, they didn't talk about every subject. So. Yeah. All right, well, we'll keep this thing moving. So the uh, second candidate to be interviewed in this forum was the former governor of the state of Arkansas, uh, Asa Hutchinson. And um, let's just go ahead and I'll get into his, uh, well, I kind of noted jokingly as he was talking uh, that his best of his best moment in the interview was where he mentioned that he went to a conference with Francis Schaefer. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> well, there you go. That's the best thing he said. Um, I'm just kind of joking there, but we weren't great fans of Asa Hutchinson, but me and Nikki both had the same um, best moment from him. Um, and it's when he said that he prays for wisdom. So we'll play that and hear what he has to say about it. I pray for wisdom. In James, uh, it talks about if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And uh, that's the old King James version I know. Now, quick yeah. question first. Should we knock him for still reading the KJV? <laughs> or does he get extra credit for reading the KJV? Let us know down in the comments. Uh, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just, I didn't know where you were stopping, but I like that he did a little teaching on what um, that word meant. What, what was it in the scripture? Abradeth? Oh, yeah, I don't remember. He was just, he had to explain what it meant because it was the King James Version, but I thought that was... Well, if you referenced it from the New American Standard, every, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. If you read the King James, it's a fine translation, yeah. but, um, which is good too, because, you know, he was kind of having the discussion with Tucker, who, if you guys have been following Tucker, he talked before that he's kind of, you know, he's, um, what do you say? He's an Episcopalian, which is not really a Christian. He'd never really read the Bible, but he's kind of been talking about how he started going through the Bible. He read through the New Testament, blew him away, you know, what was in there. And now he's working his way through the Old Testament. So Asa asks him like, hey, haven't you gotten through Deuteronomy? And he's like, that's as far as I've gotten. So that's why he's saying, well, if you keep going, get to the book of James, this is what it'll tell you. So it was a nice little back and forth there yeah. with them. Um, but, you know, the whole thing about this, asks for, you know, to pray for wisdom, that sort of stuff, um, could be completely made up political talking points, you know, not really sure. But even if it is, it's far better than what other politicians have tried in the past to just, you know, grift on the Lord, take his name in vain, just to gain themselves some political points or whatever. Um, you know, it's not Nancy Pelosi. If you guys ever, <laughs> ever heard this clip, it's one for the ages. Let's hear Nancy Pelosi lean into her great Catholic faith. They ask me all the time, what is your favorite this? What is your favorite that? What's your favorite that? And when at one time, what is your favorite word? And I said, my favorite word, that is really easy. My favorite word is the word. Is the word. And that is everything. It says it all for us. Doesn't it just cringy. say it all for you? Everything's cringy today. <laughs> She's a Catholic through and through. She's a Catholic. So, you know, if Asa Hutchinson is faking it, at least it's far more natural than whatever that was Nancy Pelosi was trying to do there. 
Um, so I thought it was good. And again, comparing that with Tim Scott's sort of exuberant Christianity, uh, I thought that was a more appropriate way to sort of address your faith in front of that audience. Mm -hmm. um, you know, calm, reserved. This is what I do. I go to God in prayer. I ask for wisdom because he's told me to ask for wisdom. Mm -hmm. It seemed very natural and appropriate for the setting. Um, do you have anything on the best there from Asa? The no. worst from... I mean, just that he prays for wisdom. I think that's um, what you want a leader to do. Yeah, it's, it's them being humble, admitting they need God's help. I mean, that was that's huge, though that that he said that. That's a, a big, a big positive. Right, and to the cre uh, the credit of all the candidates, really, but Asa Hus Hutchinson here, you you got a good sense that they didn't really know what was coming as far as mm. questions. You know, Tucker seemed to just take it where he wanted to take it. So again, mm -hmm. this could have been contrived. Um, but Asa rolled with it pretty well. So it seemed maybe like it's natural. You know, if somebody asked me, Hey, what have you been praying lately? The natural thing for me would be like, well, I mean, I'm in Psalm 119, you know, I want to love God's word. That's kind of what I pray a lot. Mm. That would be a natural answer where if I was just like, well, boy, there's so many great books and you know, you got, you're like, you're buying yourself time to think yeah. of a verse, roll off his tongue pretty naturally. So kudos for that. But, uh, not a lot of great from Asa Hutchins, uh, Hutchinson, though. So let's get to his worst moment here. How is it but how is it treatment? I guess that's my question. If you have a child who says, who's born a boy, I want to become a girl. He hasn't gone through puberty yet. He's, say, 10. Is it treatment to prevent him from going through the natural process of adolescence? How is that treatment? It, it seems not like treatment. It seems like something else. Well, you have to... Tucker, I hope that we'll be able to talk about some issues. I know that... Well, this is one of the biggest issues in the country, and I think I would every person in this room would agree that it is a, a central issue because it... We'll just end it there. And, uh, oof, probably it's hard to pinpoint the worst moment of this, but that might have been the worst one because I think, simply put, that short clip really, I think, just exposed that Asa Hutchinson doesn't understand the times in which we live. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't understand the issues of our day, you know, because to be up on that stage and to say that transgenderism is not a real issue, when in fact, mm -hmm. like Tucker said, it's kind of a central issue in our society today. Mm -hmm. uh, I just think it shows that you're out of touch. Um, and again, especially from a Christian perspective, you know, because our republic, you know, our government officials, you know, they're supposed to be Avengers, you know, Romans, uh, let's see if I can pull it up here. Romans 13, was that 13, four, you know, they're supposed to be Avengers who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoers. You know, that's what government officials should be in this country, you know? So then to consider that what godless people are doing in this nation to children isn't a central issue, really bad look, awful. Uh, I think Glenn Beck because he was there doing some coverage. I think as soon as Asa left, left the stage, he talked about this is what it was like to witness the Hindenburg crash. <laughs> he just crashed and burst into flames right in front of your eyes. Like, <laughs> well, there goes his presidential candidacy, right? Um, and also to just go, you know, a few uh, minutes earlier, what was that? His, uh, 
that earlier clip, or it's a few minutes later into this, right? He gives this awful answer, seems to not have any idea of the issues and the times that we're living in. To go from that to saying, I pray for wisdom, mm. not good. Not good look, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, I thought about that too. Like, you're praying for wisdom, but... <laughs> Lord, show me what the proper tax rate should be. Yeah. Maybe we're past that Maybe right he's now. praying for wisdom in another area, and I don't know. But I don't think he's being very sincere about protecting uh, minors on the issue of, you know, transgender hormone therapy or surgery. Because he keeps saying it should be up to the parents. The parents should decide. You know, the parents need to have the authority, which we agree. Yes, they do because they are having that taken away. So, but we all know that parents don't make loving and good choices for their kids um, because they're also encouraged to abort their children. So I'm thinking he's likely pro-choice. Um, and, you know, he claims he's not. But my reasoning is um, he should want, he should want to protect kids and have it be illegal for them to go through any transgender surgery therapy at all. So it's illegal for parents to give their kids drugs or alcohol. So it should be illegal for parents to damage their children in this way as well. So yes, parents should have the authority over their children, not the government. Um, but there needs to be a line drawn on this. It should be viewed as child abuse, as we've said before. So he seems pro-life when it comes to the heartbeat bill that he he brings up in here. But he seems pro-choice when it comes to parents um, choosing life or death for their children, um, you know, when they're out of the womb. Yeah, and I think that's Did something that we've... That? Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, in the last few years, pro-life or pro-choice used to always be abortion. But I think in the last few years, we've realized that pro-life extends to a lot more areas than just simply not having an abortion. And yes. Being pro-life in this sense is like, I'm going to spare a child from destroying their chance to ever have children in the future with, you know, cross-sex hormones, you know, uh, gender reassignment surgery, all these sorts of things. That's a pro-life issue in our society today. Yeah. Um, same things like medical freedom. I mean, these are pro-life issues now that we have to deal with that we didn't think were pro-life issues in years gone by. So, And you're not, yeah, you're just not pro-family. Yeah, he just doesn't, <sighs> I just, yeah, I just see him. Because I think it's being... a good thing to rest on generally. Trust the parents with their kids, of course, and yeah. we would agree with that. But again, as a government official who's protecting life, you would understand that there's bad parents out there. You know, you wouldn't say, boy, that kid looks male uh, has malnourished. Male, malnourished. Well, I trust the parents to feed him when he needs to. No, you'd be like, we're sending Child Protective Services over there to see what's going on. And we're going to take the kid if he's not safe. So, yes, trust the parents to a point, but then also protect the child if they have bad parents. And I would say if you have parents that are allowing minors to get gender reassignment surgery, my opinion, not a great parent. Um, yeah. So yes, trust the parents to a degree until they've proven themselves to be untrustworthy and then protect the child. Well, yeah, them encouraging their child to go through a surgery. I mean, it just should be illegal. That's all I'm saying. And I just think from 
the interview perspective here. I thought it was great with Tucker because, again, this is kind of the idea that, you know, and again, going back to our best on Asa Hutchinson, not really knowing what was coming because he probably had a great plan on the things he wanted to talk about and all the things he did in Arkansas. But Tucker was like, nah, uh, transgenderism is kind of the thing we want to discuss with you. And he didn't really let him run away from it. He just kept bringing it back to that. And I thought that was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, and just as a side note, this is by far the best setting I've ever seen for like, I mean, debates, they stink. You know, oh, you get 30 yeah. seconds to answer a question <laughs> on how you're going to fix the border. You can't, right? It's just a bickering, arguing, yeah. it's nonsense. This was just, let's, you know, because a lot of it is just, hey, you did this. Why? Well, I did it because of this. Okay, but why? What were your thoughts? Like, really dig into what these politicians think. And you could see Asa was not comfortable going down this uh, trail of the transgenderism. So um, just overall thoughts here for Asa, just not a serious candidate, in my opinion. Uh, I think if he, he probably didn't have a chance to be a president before this. I think after this, I mean, there's no shot. Um, you know, again, maybe a Republican from bygone era. Um, but just not equipped for the challenges that we face today, in my opinion. You know, that comment of let's get to some real issues, you know, like, oh, I want to discuss the economy. Let's talk about foreign policy. Uh, let's get some judicial nominees, right? Like, maybe he would have been more comfortable in that setting discussing those topics. But for a Republican presidential candidate, we as the voter, at least me as a voter, I would just assume that you're going to be good on that or better than you know, the Democrat party on those issues. I'm just going to assume that you're in favor of lower taxes, right? I'm just going to assume, you know, whatever foreign policy, you know, I don't really care all that much. Like these are the issues that we need to discuss Mm -hmm. that we're dealing with. And he doesn't seem to get that. So um, just not a serious candidate, in my opinion. Uh, So really, and it wasn't a serious candidate going into this, but just an uninspiring and really, uh, disastrous performance in my opinion. Yeah, I think Tucker Carlson kind of knows what questions to ask that are really the big ones for those certain candidates um to weed them out just for us to sift through them and quickly be like, "Oh yeah, definitely not. I'm glad he brought up that topic with that candidate instead of something else." And then we may have agreed with their stance on it, but this is huge. I'm glad that he stuck with this. Um, yeah. And I think this was by far, like I said, the best way I've ever seen a presidential sort of forum debate, anything of that sort, because first off, Tucker's the one interviewing them. Very smart guy knows a lot about a lot of these issues. So he can't just, you know, again, even in a debate, right. You're going to ask him, what's your foreign policy? And then you're on to the next thing, but he was just hammering it down there. But then also, if you haven't watched this in between each candidate, they had a full panel of you know, talk show hosts and stuff. And even their discussion was, you know, like I said, with Glenn Beck being like, nope, there goes the Hindenburg, right? Just blew up in our face. Like, where are you going to get that commentary? I really so enjoyed really good. the commentary. You know, this, Delano Squires on yeah. there, smart guy, you know, a lot of great commentary, mm-hmm. real time, right? As soon as it's over. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the discussions afterwards, I think each candidate I don't know if each candidate sat down with Glenn no. Beck afterwards, but some of them did. He didn't. Probably because that was for a reason. You know, why <laughs> waste your time on a candidate that has no shot? Yeah. Well, uh, I so just, yeah. We can move on from Asa. Not not a good candidate. Uh, dismal performance, yeah. in my opinion. So 
Um, but the next candidate uh, was former Vice President Mike Pence, um, a pretty notable candidate here. So um, we'll go with your best first on Mike Pence. What did you think? Um, I mean, right off the bat, I mean, talks about being pro-life. Um, I just like the things that, well, I just tried to note the things that, you know, were the positives, I guess that's what we're talking about. But they brought up January 6th. Um, I don't know who else. He wasn't the only one who brought it up. No, they mentioned it. it a few times. Um, I mean, he said we don't make progress through riots. You know, he talked about BLM. Um, just riots are just not good on either side. Um, he talked about the law enforcement failures, and I think that also applies to our borders, not just with the January sixth riot. <laughs> I think it's just it affects everything. Um, just that they aren't, they're just not equipped to handle a lot. Yeah. Um, and I like that he wants state governed elections. Um, just voters, we just need to be able to trust the system and the importance of, um, the picture ID when you're voting. Yeah. Which, why that's an know. issue is beyond me. But that's really important. Um, I mean, is. we need to be able to trust the process. Um, so I like that they talked about that because nobody, like Republican or Democrat, like nobody trusts the whole process. Yeah. No, so that was good. Um, I kind of jokingly noted that my best for Mike Pence was walking out on the stage. Everything else was downhill from there. <laughs> but this is why I like having these. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I like having Nikki here. But this is one of them because she doesn't follow the news and politics as closely. So she's a perfect test case for sit down and listen to this. What do you think of a candidate that you don't really know a lot about? Um, because that's what a lot of voters are going to see this, maybe a couple other debates and stuff. And that's what they're going to formulate opinions on. So, um, you know, I didn't think the interview with Mike Pence went that well, Um you know, but if I did have to pick out something that I thought he was good on, it was like Nikki said, I think his stance on not nationalizing elections was really good. Mm -hmm. um, I think he was firm on that. And we certainly agree with him here. You know, our federal government needs far less control in this nation, not more control. You know, uh, like she said, many people already believe that our elections are rigged and they're not fair. So I don't know how adding complete federal government control to that is going to make the issue any yeah. better, right? Um, so I don't think having them control elections would, you know, increase our uh, our trust in the process or decrease the level of nefariousness. Um, I mean, just look at Russia collusion, right? Um, how'd that go as far as increasing trust? And so I thought he was good on that there. Um, my worst from Mike Pence... Uh, well, let's go ahead and play my worst from Mike Pence. Amen. Well, thank you. I, and we can certainly do better, that's for sure. Um, so I have to ask you, since you were a witness to and in some yeah. unintentional way a participant in one of the most widely covered events in American history, January 6th, what was that? Do you think that was an insurrection? Well, first, can I just take a moment just to say thank you to the family leader? Oh, man, absolutely awful. He wasn't ready. <laughs> absolutely awful. Uh, getting asked yeah. that question and then taking that pause 
and then doing what Mike Pence did there, turning and, oh, let me... I mean, look at Tucker's face here. He's like, what well, are you doing? And it's funny if you watch the video because he starts with a smirk and then he like outright belly laughs almost about what Mike Pence did there because it was ridiculous. Um, because this is weird. You know, my contention from the moment I heard Mike Pence was running for president was that the only reason he's going to run for president is to distance himself from Donald Trump in January 6th. I think, in my opinion, Mike Pence is running for sort of damage control for his legacy. He wants mm -hmm. to set the narrative about who he was and his beliefs and thoughts and not just be tied at the waist to Donald Trump. I still think that's yeah. the case today. So not being ready to take that question head on was a terrible yeah. look for Mike yeah. Pence. I mean, this should have been the one he knocked out of the park. Um, but then again, to do that long, deep breath, pause, let me thank the family leader. And then to have Tucker on stage, just belly laugh over it. Really awful look there. Um, made him look really like a Weasley politician, you know, like just buy myself some yeah. time. You know, this is the thing where even Asa Hutchinson did better than this. That verse rolled right off his tongue. See, he just knows the right questions to ask to just nobody cares now. Yeah. We're done. No, it was <laughs> not a great moment for Mike Pence. It just, boy, it looked bad. Um, and it looked bad in the moment. This isn't one of those like revisionist history. We're looking back and going, well, oh, boy, that was, I mean, the first time you watch it and see it, you're like, why are you doing that now? Um, why didn't you do that the second you sat down? You know, the it's just very weird. So um, what was your worst with Mike Pence? Um, well, yeah, that is, that is the worst. Hard to top. But I just didn't like how he, he kept trying to dodge the questions about Ukraine and Tucker was really trying. It was kind of a back and forth. It kind of reminded me of a debate. <laughs> it yeah. was kind of annoying. It's like, quit cutting each other off. Like, Well, theirs was the most feisty. Yeah. Um, which I didn't think was a great look for Mike Pence. Because again, he looked like a Weasley politician. He was just going to talk over Tucker the whole time. He was going to stick to his talking points. And he wasn't going to let Tucker yeah. steer the conversation. Which is not what this forum and what I viewed was supposed to be. It was supposed to be you know, just a discussion on topics that were interesting or important. I mean, important. these candidates should know how Tucker is ahead of time and what they're getting into. Yeah. And Mike Pence even made the case that he did. He's like, I've heard you do this thing before, Tucker. I know what you're doing. And mm -hmm. it was a feisty interview, um, the feistiest of all of all of them. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I think you mentioned that he kind of came across as like a Zelensky fanboy. Um, which doesn't appeal to us very much. Um, <laughs> so yeah, not a great outing in my opinion for Mike Pence. But again, I don't think he's running to be president. I think he's running to do damage control for his legacy. That's the mm. way it strikes me. So maybe he did what he needed to do here um, and he's satisfied with it. But I thought it was much like Asa Hutchinson, pretty uninspiring. Yeah. So my overall thoughts here on Mike Pence um, I think he's a very skilled, sort of experienced politician, which, you know, he is. He's been a governor, vice president. He's been in politics a really long time. But I don't think he offers anything to the presidential process right now. Um, you know, yeah. what jumped out to me watching, you know, Asa Hutchinson and then him was everybody loves to pile on Donald Trump, that he's an egomaniac, you know, that's can't stand him, his ego's so big. But when I watch people like Mike Pence and Asa Hutchinson, 
um, like jump into a presidential race that they have zero chance of winning. Nobody was asking for them to run for president. They can't possibly win. Yet it serves, you know, at least for me is like a great reminder that Trump fits in perfectly with these people. Um, their egos are every bit Donald Trump's. They just dress it up better. They just know how to carry themselves better. But to be Asa Hutchinson and think, yeah, I'm going to run for president. Why? Like, what is going on in your brain that makes you think other than ego? Um, and that's the way Mike Pence came off as very egotistical to me there. Mm -hmm. um, really bad look. So what were your overall thoughts of Mike Pence? Um, I just want someone who's willing to answer all the questions, the important questions that, you know, all the people they want answers to. Um, and if they can't answer clearly, um, they just don't trust them. Like, that's a big deal to me. Yeah. And that's not what this forum should have been. And I think, you know, whereas Mike Pence sort of had his talking points and he was going to stick to him and talk over Tucker was a really bad look. Mm -hmm. I think Tim Scott, to go back to that earlier, he did it really well, you know, with that whole idea of would you give cluster bombs? And he was stuck to his point that like, I'm not letting you make me say yes or no. I'm telling you that I had plan or I would be a leader that wouldn't allow us to get to that point. So yeah. I thought they both sort of did the same thing. And Tim Scott's came off as authentic and being a strong leader. And Mike Pence came off as kind of like petulant and egotistical, really bad look for Mike Pence overall. But again, I never thought he was a serious candidate here, just a legacy um, protector. And I still feel that way. So it's just going to be a funny story for a long time. Yeah. That moment. Yeah. People from the family leader, because this happens every year, every year, they're going to be like, man, you remember when Mike Pence Oh, that was awful. Um, He's hopefully got a next different year, legacy now. Yeah, maybe, maybe somebody worse. can make a joke off of it next year when they come back and be like, well, let me just... <laughs> You're like, all right, Mike Pence, everybody. So uh, we'll move along from Mike Pence. Not a serious candidate, in my opinion, which is odd to say for a former vice president, but it is what it is. Unless somehow, you know, people probably would have said Joe Biden wasn't a serious candidate. Just a few years ago, and yet here we are. He's the most popular president in American history. Mm -hmm. 81 million votes. The Democrat Party is the party of Joe Biden. Who would have seen that coming? So, um, But next up in this presidential forum was uh, former South Carolina governor and UN ambassador, Nikki Haley. Um, so do you want to give your... Well, I'll give my best on Nikki Haley here first. Um, I thought her best moment really highlighted her ability as a politician. And I think it was her answer on global warming. So let's hear what she had to say. Um, you mentioned John Kerry's sister, and it reminds me one of the trends in government is emergencies are identified that we're told are so threatening to this country that people can't be consulted on the policies we use to address them, whether it's COVID and climate, huge. And so the debate over whether climate's changing is measurable. The, the debate over why it's changing is much more subjective. Do you think climate change is driven by human activity? I think climate change is real, but I think the conversation has been taken so out of whack that you have, if you look at what Biden's done with all of these subsidies, when I was at the United Nations, you know, there was the Paris Climate Agreement. And it sounds good, like, oh, everybody needs to go take care of the environment. 
But what I saw is they were holding countries to different standards. So Obama put this massive amount of regulations and all these abuses on our businesses and companies because he was trying to show that he was, you know, that we really cared about the environment when America's actually extremely good when it comes to the environment. We all want clean air, we all want clean water, and we work on it every day. If you really want to deal with the environment, if you really want, then do what I saw, go talk to China and India. Those are the biggest polluters and no one is making them do anything about it. And, and not only that, while we had all the regulations on the US, China's was they would deal with it in 10 years. I can promise you 10 years never comes for China. That's the problem. That's why we got out of the Paris Climate Agreement. Right, and you- Yeah, just, uh, I thought, excellent answer from her there, mm -hmm. um, you know, because I think as a skilled politician, she didn't really pigeon herself or pigeonhole herself on either side of the climate change argument, right? She didn't go on there and go, ah, it's not real. It's all a hoax. But then she didn't go the other way and say, yes, the earth is going to burn up in 10 years. We better do something immediately. Yeah. She answered really well. Yeah. He asked her the question. She answered it. I think the climate, you know, it is changing, right? And then she immediately pivoted and pointed to China and, you know, disastrous policies from the other party and how she could fix it. And I thought, boy, really skilled answer there. Like Mike Pence could learn a thing or two from Nikki Haley on how to answer these questions. She did it masterfully there. Mm -hmm. um, and I think one other thing I'll point out here that she did really well. Um, and again, I think somebody who at least is getting a grasp on understanding the times that we're in. Um, she also called out Republicans, which I think is very important because a lot of voters, even Republicans, are fed up with Republican politicians. Um, although she called them out generically, not by name, but she kind of brought up the fact that we're in the mess we are in this country, and it's just as much the Republican Party's fault as it is the Democrat Party's fault, which I was like, music to my ears. Yeah, I like that. Um, so she's not about dividing the nation. She's just, well, she's pointing at China isn't doing anything. She seems like she would be more unifying because she's not talking about what's wrong with our country, why we should be divided. Um, so I like that she's pointing <laughs> at China. So yeah. that's a big deal to me. I like that she brought up a couple different things um, that the other candidates didn't, or at least they didn't talk about. I mean, I like she's really for having paper ballots. I mean, she's not against electronic, but like yeah. that would be, that would give me peace, <laughs> a lot more peace. Yeah. And she actually answered the question, you know, when Tucker was asking her about voting and pushing her, you know, she didn't just go the politician route and divert, you know, she finally was like, yeah, if we could have paper ballots, I'm all for that. It would be great. And you're like, okay, well, thank you. Thank you for just saying it. Like, yeah. Yeah. So she seemed to have an answer for everything, which I liked. She didn't just um, talk about the problem that's obvious. But she had solutions. Um, so she's she's a woman of action. I really liked her. Um, and she's, you know, also for states having more authority. And then she gives um, the story of how she helped prisoners. She helped people out of welfare, just equipping them to be ready for, um, you know, the workforce. So, you know, that she's done stuff. Because I don't really know her really well. Like, I don't know if you looked up anything. Her past, I don't know. So I like that she brought up something that she has done. Um, she got 35,000, is that what she said, people jobs? Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, she was a well-liked 
Republican governor when she was in South Carolina. I mean, people were very high on her. That's obviously why she got picked to be the ambassador to the UN. She was well thought of in Republican circles because of her time as governor. So it makes sense that she would lean into that and have some worthwhile things to show for it. So, I mean, I like that she talked about healthcare a little too. Um, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people, <laughs> I just thought it was great just talking about how doctors should be more um, accountable uh, to their patients, their health, and not just prescribing drugs to them. Um, like they should actually be just held accountable for the health of the patients. Like how many of your patients have improved in health? Not how many yeah. have you just wrote a prescription for? So I like where she was going with that. I would like, I don't know what the solution would be, how exactly that would, um, I just don't know what things would have to be in place, I guess. Right. I mean, and this like was the, the idea place is for good. flushing out every right. aspect of your, you know, you're still just kind of pitching to the American people what your ideas are. I liked the idea. So. Yeah. Just she touched on that a little bit. And I thought that's, yeah, that's a big one. Just the whole insurance, whatever she's thinking about with the insurance too. Definitely needs um, reform. I want to hear so. some more on that. <laughs> um, so as far as my worst for Nikki Haley, um, not a lot. I thought she did great. Um, so really my only worst for her came right at the end, like actually when her interview was over, um, you know, they got done with the interview and, but then she stopped to make closing remarks and that's where it kind of seemed like she leaned into the identity politics piece to me, you know, she's a woman, she's a military family, this sort of like identity politics, which I thought it was unnecessary. I thought she had a really strong performance. She came came across as really likable, really smart, um, solution-oriented. So to end it with what seemed kind of like identity politics uh, really just left me with a bad taste in my mouth when her overall performance I thought was great. Um, you know, identity politics is what we hate from the left. So if we hate it from the left, we should hate it when we see it coming from the right as well. So I wish she would have just stopped at the interview because she had a really strong performance, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't see anything really wrong with it. I just thought you're you just, just knowing a little girl bit. power. Well, I mean, if your <laughs> your husband is deployed, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with just saying a little bit your patriotism. I just maybe not. I don't see patriotism as identity politics. I guess I just. No, and that's good to get your perspective on that because we definitely saw it from different angles. So. I mean, it was kind of weird how she, it was like she was done and then she jumped in to add that. So that was kind of like just kind of weird. Well, and listen, but I didn't think what she said was was anything wrong. It wasn't the worst ending to an interview on this forum. That sadly goes to Asa Hutchinson, <laughs> who in his interview was over, essentially groveled to the audience to contribute to his campaign a dollar at a time. It was embarrassing. Hers was not that. It just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So my overall thoughts, though, with Nikki Haley, I think she would be a fine, you know, traditional Republican candidate, but just, I think, wrapped in a nicer package and not necessarily talking about her looks. Um, just, you know, she's smart. She seems quick-witted. Mm -hmm. She speaks well on stage. Um, I just don't know how much she would offer that's unique, you know, for the times that we're faced, uh, facing, you know. I think if you're... You know, whereas if maybe somebody like Donald Trump or some of the other candidates like DeSantis, maybe they seem too extreme for you. I think she's a good 
balanced. I think she's more traditional, so you can feel more comfortable that she's not going to be radical or anything. Um, mm -hmm. So I think she might kind of be your candidate. One thing we didn't bring up in the worst, um, you know, again, just knowing a little bit about her going into this was kind of the way that she sort of spoke down about Ron DeSantis attacking Disney, where she kind of made the case that like, ah, you know, you just get in the back room with Disney and you iron things out. And you're like, not sure you're getting the gravity of the times that we're living in here. So that to me was kind of a traditional Republican, big business kind of cronyism that rubbed me the wrong way. Mm. It didn't get brought up here. So again, if you didn't hear any of that from her, you're unaware. This is the only time you've been exposed to her. I think she might come off as maybe one of your favorite candidates. I thought she had a great performance. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, I agree with you. I really liked that she just seems like a person who's going to get things done right away. I mean, she said she like immediately fired John Kerry's sister, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, and I something guess... else, if I can bring up a point that I, I didn't want to pass on this with her because she's the only girl here um, on the stage. And it may come across as sexist, but it's the way I feel, and I don't really feel sorry about it. Um, I don't want a female president if we can avoid it. Um, if all things are equal again, I prefer a male president uh, because I believe God designed men to be leaders, and um, I would prefer a man that is capable for the job. Now, that doesn't mean I wouldn't vote for a woman. I certainly would. You know, if the option came down to Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, Asa Hutchinson— I would vote for Nikki Haley. Uh, I think she would be a better option. But just as a Christian, um, from at least my Christian perspective, I'm not saying this is the Christian perspective, but whenever I see women that are stepping into these major leadership roles, I always feel like it's because there's men that have failed to do the job. So not that she's not capable, not that she couldn't be a great president. I just feel like where are the men that should be doing this, um, that God designed them to do this? So I just want to say that because uh, it's the way I feel. So if you guys disagree with me, let me know. But uh, that's just the way I feel. Yeah, and I think that's fine. But I think for a woman, I think she's a great candidate. Um, I mean, like I would vote for her. Definitely, I would feel comfortable voting for her. I don't think I would feel um, really worried about. I just think I want someone who's just going to get things done. I like that she brought up that she just quickly fired someone. All right, no second chances. I mean, they did let um, John Kerry's sister, I don't know what her name is, but she just couldn't come back to the building to like, fine, just pay her, but she's not coming back in this building. Um, I like that there's a, that she's a woman who doesn't care to offend, to hurt feelings. So I think I would feel comfortable not saying I am going to vote for her, but I agree with you. I think, a man should be the leader, um, just a Christian perspective as well. But um, but we do have a lot of weak men in our country, so yeah. Again, I mean, given, our culture has yeah shaped that. Given some of the candidates on this stage, she's a far better option. And it yeah, given female candidates for president we've had in the past, you know, I think she's a far better option. Yes, like, you know, it's her Hillary Clinton. I'll take Nikki Haley all day. Um, and there's been other, you know, I mean, remember Carly Fiorina, I think ran years ago. I thought she was really smart, seemed very capable, um, but just, you know, this is a Christian show. So I want to bring in my Christian perspective on that. Um, I would feel more comfortable having a man step into that leadership role. I just think it's uh, more appropriate for them. 
Yeah, but I definitely I do think she could handle the job. Yeah, like I'd vote for her over a lot of men in the panel. <laughs> but I would feel sad for her husband. Like you're the the war hero, <laughs> uh, Mister First Husband. Very weird look there. So yeah. Oh well. Um. All right. So the next candidate that they had on the stage here was a uh, businessman, Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, he was second to last on this forum. So let's just jump into his best here. What we actually need to do is to level up and say, no, no, no. Regardless of the color of your skin, how are we going to be a country that ensures opportunity, black, white, man, woman, doesn't matter. You know, my parents came to this country with almost no money. I've gone on to found multi-billion dollar companies. And then people tell me, oh, that's because you had privilege. <laughs> they tell me white privilege. It's sort of weird. It's sort of an interesting. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Do you, do you tell them? <laughs> I, 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 I say, take the blindfold off. <laughs> and, and, and now you have your answer. But, but the interesting answer is, actually, what I do tell them, Tucker, is that I did have privilege. I didn't grow up in money. But I had two parents in the house, a mother and a father, with a focus on education and a faith in God. And you know what? That is the ultimate privilege. So awesome answer from Vivek here. Um, I think, in my opinion, his answer here on privilege was probably the most dangerous answer of the entire forum for the godless and sort of satanic left in this nation. Because um, I think that this is a message that they simply cannot let, you know, get out and sort of grab hold in minority communities. Because mm -hmm. um, the left has really spent the last, you know, 60 or so years decimating the nuclear family, decimating faith in the minority communities. Um, you know, this kind of minority serfdom, if you will, to liberal politics will end if they recapture this idea from Vivek that privilege is the nuclear family, faith in God, um, that will decimate everything they've tried to do for the last 60 years in minority communities. So I heard that answer. I loved it. Um, yeah. I love it more the more times I hear it. Because I think, I mean, that is a message that America at large desperately needs, but maybe more so minority communities, just because the godless left has focused so much attention on them. Um, that's a message they need to hear. And it will, you know, I think it'll reinvigorate those communities for sure. It was I think awesome. it is good to put the um, the hope, the idea in people's heads that you can raise uh, a privileged child if you want to. If you marry someone and have a child with them and you work on your marriage and you um, follow God's principles, um, humility, uh, serving each other in, in love and humility, um, it's not giving up. So you are fighting for your marriage, but you're also providing that privilege that he's talking about. So you can you can break the cycle um, and you can make sure your kid has privileged in the way he's talking about it. So yeah, I agree. That is his best. I like that he also he also talked a lot about the cycle of censorship in our country. Uh yeah, that's a that's huge. <laughs> yeah, and he's great on um, that. Gosh, everything he talked about was was excellent. Everything he said just kind of blew me away. Like he was definitely prepared for everything. I don't think he had to stop and think about anything. He just quickly had an answer. Um, so he really 
blew me away. Um, I was really Yeah, it's funny. Really you talked to me afterwards. You're like, that Vivek guy, he's extreme. I yeah, was like, I was like, he's an oh, extremist. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, so as far as my worst for Vivek, he didn't have one. Um, as far as I'm concerned, like Nikki said, from start to finish, every um, point brought up and discussed, I think he was... Um, you know, you may not necessarily agree entirely with his solution or what he, but he had one. Um, it was right on the tip of his tongue. He understood the issues. He discussed them thoroughly. Um, and I just, you know, I like nearly everything I've liked, not even just in this forum, but everything really that I've heard from Vivek, I like, um, I think he's been a breath of fresh air, um, Please stop flying over our house. You know, there's one exception to this. And it, again, just kind of outside of this forum. But I think he's talked in the past that he he has no problem with, you know, transgender or adults wanting to be transgendered and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, he puts a stop to that with children. Again, as a Christian, I do have a problem with adults wanting to be transgendered because it's a sin. And I'm not uh, in favor of it. I'm opposed to it. Now, that doesn't mean I would stop an adult. But if you ask me my thoughts on it, I would say, yeah, it's a sin and we should avoid it and we should help them, you know, get the help mm -hmm. they need. But uh, that's not in this forum. So all in all, in this forum, I didn't think he had uh, any worst moments. I thought it was awesome from start to finish. Yeah, he didn't have like a worst moment, like something embarrassing or it just kind of bothered me when he said, um, he said, our nation has a spiritual void. And we as conservatives need to step up and fill that void by practicing what we preach. So it just made it seem like he was saying conservatives are spiritual. Um, and, you know, we have the answer. So, but the answer is in Christ. But then I asked you, like, is he a Christian? Well, he's, he's Hindu. Not, he's Hindu. Um, so, and I guess, yeah, that can come off as bad. Like, so Christian, the faith in Christian politics is going to save us. And, um, you know, I didn't catch that or pay attention to that when he said it. You know, I understood it more as right. Christians tend to be more conservative by and large, and religious folks tend to be conservative more by and right. large. So if the religious folks that are in the conservative movement, you know, um, kind of reestablish themselves in this nation, then we can fill that hole with faith, you know, kind right. of you can so. like, yeah, everybody is blessed by Christian principles. I mean, cause he, you know, he went on and he said he believes in our principles. Um, I don't really know what Hindus, what their principles are, but he said he completely supports, um, everything that our nation stands on from the beginning. But yeah, I just don't want people to start thinking that, you know, making it a, like a religion, really, yeah. Republican or Democrat, like it can kind of be a religion. And I just don't want him kind of taking it that way. So that was the only thing that kind of was, I don't know, just the yeah. negative for me. And that's a valid criticism. That's where you're taking it. So um, my overall thoughts, though, on Vivek. Uh, I kind of feel like he's really the evolution of Donald Trump. You know, if you want sort of the savvy businessman, but a far more refined businessman, I think then Ramaswamy is your guy. Uh, he seems very smart. 
He actually seems to have answers to the toughest questions. Mm-hmm. He doesn't duck any of them. Um, he seems to have solutions. Again, you may disagree with the solutions, but he seems to have them to some of the big problems that we face. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like he asked, or he was asked what he would do with um, the Ukraine situation. And he actually just presented a solution, like on stage. This is what I would do. Like he's you know, just like, being honest, because you know everybody has their own solution. You hope that they thought on all these right these issues. Like at least show that you thought of it, thought of something that you're yeah. not just like stupid and ignorant on issues. Like it shows you care, even if the answer isn't what you want to hear. Yeah, so it was good that he had him. And again, you might say, you know, are those solutions going to work? Is it even possible? You know, who knows? But at least he had them. Yeah, right? at least he he's thinking on thought it. about it. Um, so as I sit here today, you know, Vivek Ramaswamy is tied for me, probably at number two, you know, um, as far as who I would vote for, uh, for president, he's tied with Donald Trump is who, you know, I would vote for, for president. Mm -hmm. Um, because really Donald Trump, and I guess we're grateful in some respect that he sort of opened our eyes to the idea of having really a non-politician as president. Um, and I like the idea of businessmen in leadership roles in this nation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that gives me confidence with a guy like Vivek, who has been super successful, seems really smart, seems solution-oriented. Um, because politicians, they learn how to politic. That's their that's what mm-hmm. they do. They politic. Just Businessmen deals. learn how to do business. And we need somebody that can get business done, especially outside of our borders on foreign policy and stuff. Uh, we need a politician that knows, or a president that knows more than just how to get reelected. You know, how mm-hmm. do you get things done and solve problems? So, yeah, I like uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, and I like yeah. him here. I mean, just the fact that he's, you know, a businessman, he probably has a plan, you know, the debt in this country. Um, yeah, so that's hopeful in that area. But I think he'll capture a lot of Republicans' attention. Um you know, we're desperate to fix a lot of issues, and he seems to have the answer to fix all these issues. So he seems like someone people are really going to – he's the answer man, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think a um, lot of people, you know, might might be in favor of uh, Ramaswamy or at least like what he's having to say. So Yeah. Um, but last but not least on this forum was uh, the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. So um, let's hear – this was my best from Ron DeSantis. Nationally. Well, I'm very proud to say Kim Reynolds is here and she signed a great heartbeat bill today. We were able to do that in Florida. We had a lot of opposition to that. Uh, I'm proud to have been a pro-life governor uh, and I will be a pro-life president. So, I mean, of course I want to sign uh, pro-life legislation. Uh, I think it's um, something that we uh, need to develop a culture of life in this country. If you look over the last 50 years, uh, we allowed practices that were barbaric, post-birth abortion, abortion uh, when you have a fully formed baby six, seven months in. And I don't think Rome's built in a day. I think it's going to take time to make progress in some parts of the country. But as president, uh, I will be somebody who will use the bully pulpit uh, to support governors like Kim Reynolds when she's got a bill, other states as they advance the cause of life. It is a critical issue, and it's one I'm happy to have done. And oh, by the way. We'll just stop that there, but love that answer from Ron DeSantis because I think being bold enough on a national stage to call practices in this nation barbaric 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I, first off, I think it's what needs to be said, um, but it's also what Ron DeSantis, I think, specifically needs to do, um, because from my vantage point, uh, he seems to be seen, I guess, as a governor that's been sort of a culture warrior down in Florida, you know, fighting back against whatever you want to call it, wokeism, um, if that's the term you like to use, grooming of our children, these sorts mm-hmm. of things. He's been a warrior against that. Um, so I think he needs to be seen at all times throughout his entire you know candidacy here is kind of a no holds barred type of politician or candidate um so i thought that point was great and it basically came that was like his, one of the first questions he answered so like as soon as he sat down he came out swinging right away and i thought that mm-hmm. was a great look it set the tone for the rest of the interview and i think it fit the persona that he carries very well i thought it was a great answer yeah, I wrote down a lot of pros. I'm not going to bring them up. I was just going to type in some things up. But I really liked how he said, um, we need to develop a culture of life. We are better off when everybody counts. And I thought, that's just a good phrase saying that I hope catches everybody counts. Yeah, um, that's a good slogan. You know, if you're going to like protest, in a, you know, a pro choice rally or something. Everybody counts. Um, We're better off when everybody counts. Uh, So that really stuck out to me. Um, A lot of things he talked about. Um, Because I was even asking Spencer, like he says, like, I don't keep up with everything in the news. I'm not watching the news. I'm not aware of just all the, the evil plans that are going on. Like, so he talked about just China's involvement in just corrupting our country. And I guess I was unaware of some of it. And so I was asking Spencer, like, oh, they're buying land? Like, because, well, DeSantis said they're not going to allow China to buy any land in Florida. And I was like, well, what land have they bought here? So I was just kind of asking him about, I don't know, everything. So he's, DeSantis is aware of China trying to just take over all these things that a lot of people like me probably aren't aware of. So I'm glad he touched on on that, just their influence in the universities and their Confucius Institutes is what he said. Um, so they are a big threat to our country. Um, and I guess drugs coming in them just through Mexico. I don't know if you want to maybe explain a little bit where I'm lost because other people might be. Um, well, I think, you know, the- he was tough on China, you know one of the the tougher candidates on China. And, you know, like all of them, he's tough on the border. And, you know, kind of mm-hmm. bringing up the point that, you know, it's not just Mexico bringing, you know, drugs and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's countries like China that are trying to undermine America here. And they're, you know, pumping drugs through the southern border as well um, and stuff like that. So he's very tough on that, you know, which is good to see. You know, China's our number one adversary in the world. Um, so he seems to have a solid understanding of the dangers we face with China. Yeah. Um, and he was also one of the things we both agreed on. He just uh, talked about how day one, he would ban central bank digital currencies in America. Yeah. Um, you know, which is nice to see because a lot of the complaints you'll hear about Ron DeSantis is he's like a World Economic Forum puppet. And you're like, well, if he's a puppet and he's banning, you know, these digital currencies that are kind of like World Economic Forum, yeah. you know, hallmarks there. So I think a lot of great answers from Ron DeSantis on a lot of issues. Um, he mm-hmm. seems to have 
you know, this is where we like of Ron DeSantis seems like a candidate for our time, for the times we live in, whereas somebody like, you know, Asa Hutchinson, it's like, you're just, you're not, you're not capable of governing the country that we currently are. You don't understand the issues. change so quick. Maybe they just don't realize. Like, and maybe that's why these younger guys like Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy seem to have better answers and better solutions because they're younger. They're more engaged than, you know, yeah. Asa Hutchinson or Mike Pence. And um, so that may be some of it. But I think just maybe. personally, you know, as a candidate, you know, everyone has their own um, personalities and, you know, thoughts and interests and stuff like that. So uh, just, yeah, a lot of great answers from yeah. him. I like how he brought up that I'll, the government hides a lot of things despite putting it in the classified documents and he said something he's gonna do is just declassify a lot of events like a lot of things are gonna come out and you're gonna watch why was that classified well let's bring it out in the light and just i mean a lot of things are gonna get exposed i just feel like everything he's talking about i'm like yeah he's probably the one the left fears the most oh absolutely i think he is um and i think he's the one that most republican candidates seem to be focused on trying to defeat as well so um, as far as my worst for Ron DeSantis, uh, like Vivek, I don't think he had any. I don't think he had any worst moments there. Uh, I will point out, though, like if you were watching this and the live stream going along the side or just if you hear about Ron DeSantis, um, one thing or at least one thing they mentioned in the comments was that uh, he's dodging the Ukraine question. That's what they were kind of saying. Um, I didn't hear that. Mm-hmm. And what it came across to me is that Ron DeSantis has kind of been labeled is bad on foreign policy from early on. That was kind of the label they put on him. Um, And I think to me, that just shows that marketing and propaganda works uh, because Mm -hmm. that's going to be what is labeled on him for the rest of this election cycle. And that labeling basically came from the Trump campaign. Um, They labeled him as kind of weak and soft on foreign policy because I would assume that that's an area where they think Trump can shine against Ron DeSantis. Well, he's just a governor. What does he know? Mm-hmm. I was a president and had a great foreign policy record. So he's going to lean into that and try to make DeSantis look um, bad there when his answers aren't bad. But that's kind of, you know, your first impression is your lasting impression kind of a thing with mm-hmm. people. And that's yeah. what they heard first. He's bad on foreign policy. So now he's just always bad on foreign policy. Um you know, another thing, again, you'll hear that he's a World Economic Forum puppet. Again, I'd heard nothing that would give me an indication that that's true. So no weaknesses as far as I was concerned, especially from this forum in particular. Yeah, I think we just need to go based on facts and not gossip, not rumors. Um, you just got to hear things for yourself. Yeah, and that's why listening to these things and actually in this forum in particular was so beneficial, just letting them talk, um, hearing what their thoughts are. So Um, As far as my overall thoughts on Ron DeSantis, this summit interview did nothing to change them in my mind. I think Ron DeSantis is the best candidate from either field or from the entire field in the Republican Party, but he's the best candidate from either party, in my opinion. Um, He's my first choice for president, has been for some time now. Um, Again, he seems like a man who understands the times that we live in. He understands the challenges that we're facing. Um, and especially the challenges coming from like the godless left and this sort of cultural rot that's going on in our society. Um, He seems to understand it. Mm -hmm. And so does Vivek Ramaswamy, but unlike Vivek, 
Ron DeSantis actually has a political track record that you can yeah. point to and say, not only do I understand it, but I do things about it. Um, so at this point, Vivek Ramaswamy is all talk. Um, he has no political record to point to. Mm-hmm. So DeSantis talks to talk, but he also has proven to walk the walk, which is important. Um, mm-hmm. So that, again, gives him a clear advantage in my eyes. Yeah, it's good to have somebody who you know is going to do what they say um, with everybody else. Like you said, they they talk the talk and they might be amazing. They might do everything they're going to say, but it's more of a gamble. Um, choosing one of them might be better than DeSantis, but it's it's like it's safer going with DeSantis because you know you can trust him. Um, I, th- I think he is great. I mean, I didn't have any complaints uh, against anything that he that he talked about. I've never had any, a complaint about him just in Florida. Um, yeah, we've liked him for a long time. So nothing's changed. You can trust him, and it's just everybody else. It's it's just a gamble. You it could yeah. be better, but it could be worse. So I think he's just the safest. <laughs> he's proven himself. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I would say. So. You know, why is this important to Christians? That's what we like to always address with these main issues here. And I think it's important to Christians um, because I think Christians tend to, um, and especially as things get bad, which they have been in this nation, Christians tend to lean into the idea that like, well, politics isn't the answer. You know, God's the answer. And that's sort of the mentality. And of course, that's true. Well, God works through practical means, though. Right. So, I mean, going back to God is the answer. Of course, we've said that and we believe it. Um, but politics is a pathway that God uses. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when our mindset becomes that, you know, um, politics really has no way of helping us, they can't provide any help. I just think that that's untrue. Mm-hmm. Um, politics may not be the only answer or the greatest answer, but it's part of the answer. Uh, so Christians need to be engaged Um and it really, it's what our founding fathers, that was their intention, was that the religious amongst us, most notably Christians, because that's what this country was made up of then, um, that the uh, the religious would be the moral compass for the nation and especially the leaders. Uh, so Christians need to be involved in politics, and we need to have our say in who leads us, um, yeah. because morality only comes from the religious, right? It doesn't come from anywhere else. They just piggyback off the religious folks and try to claim it's there. So we need the religious people engaged in picking leaders um, who guide us. And, you know, over the last two years, we can see just how quickly one election, um, what that can bring about, you know, the perversion and the evil that it can yeah. unleash on a nation. Yeah. So we need to be engaged. I think it's vital that we're engaged and not become distraught or disheartened. Um, you know, play your part. So <clears throat> what should we do about it? Um, I think, you know, First and foremost, we need to be engaged. And I mean really engaged, not just loosely engaged. Um, Because I think when we're loosely aware of what's going on or who's running for president, whatever, I think that's when we can be fooled. When we're really engaged, it's hard to fool us. But when you're just kind of loosely aware, I think you can be tricked. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, because if you only ever hear kind of in the periphery that, well, Mike Pence is this strong Christian leader, you know, and he always has been, then that can kind of frame your opinion of who he is. Um, but if you don't actually look into him personally and like in depth as a right. uh, presidential candidate, what he actually believes, again, you could be fooled into thinking you're voting for somebody who may not actually stand and fight for what you believe in. Um, 
you know, we've talked about this before, but over 50% of Christians voted for Barack Obama in 2008 and in 2012, right? Well, he said he was a Christian, so that's my man, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that vote, 50% of Christians voted for the president who basically turned us into transgender America, um, the America we're currently living in today. So, you know, at best, you can say maybe they were tricked into voting for him, um, or at ver- at worst, maybe they just wanted to ease their conscience and say they voted for him. I mean, I don't know what it was, but, you know, a person of faith um, that says their faith is important uh, can kind of trick some people, uh, you know, that sort of thing. So I think we have to be aware that we're not voting for a pastor. We're not electing a pastor in this country. Yeah. Um, we're electing a president, you know, um, and while it would be great if that person we were electing was a great leader and a great follower of Christ. We need to make sure that we're getting a great leader first and foremost, um, because a president leads the nation on the world stage. They're not spiritual leaders, you know. So that's why someone like right. Vivek Ramaswamy, you know, we can be really in agreement. But then when you hear at the end, like, "Well, I'm a Hindu," and you can be like, "Whoa, I'm not voting for a Hindu." And then it's like, "Hold on a second. He's not leading your church. He's not leading your faith." He's a president. Is he good at that job? We mm-hmm. need to be clear on that first. Um, right. You I know, agree. and again, that could be something where all things are equal. All these presidential candidates are awesome, great. I love every one of them. But this guy is the better Christian. Fine, that's a tiebreaker. You know, I yeah. think that's fine. Just the same as if you say, all oh, these guys are the, the best. But hey, Tim Scott grew up like me, looks like me. That's where I'm going. I don't have a problem with that. But when yeah. the presidential candidate stinks... You know, they're Barack Obama and they don't believe in anything you believe in, but you go, well, he said he's a Christian, so it's good enough for me. Well, now you've gone too far, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That I think is unwise. So, you know, the qualifications to be a pastor are far more stringent than they are to be a president. So presidents need to lead well, right? Um, That's what they need to be best at. So they'll lead well and they'll lead better if they have a strong you know, Christian presence in this country, vocally pushing them and helping them um, to lead in the right direction. So we need to be really engaged. I think this is very important. And not just presidential elections, but all elections. You should do your duty and try to be engaged as much as you can. Yep. I would just caution people to not fall into the trap. Just, (laughs) um, Just the whole conspiracy thing. Again, I know I brought it up last time, but you need to base things off of facts and not just the gossip that goes around online. People fo- follow their different YouTube channels, and um, I would just caution to to stay away from that and just listen, listen to them. What have they accomplished? Um, you need to just learn for yourself. Don't just yeah, be don't taking... Be, don't let somebody else tell you who a candidate is or what the candidate believes because that's just marketing. It's propaganda. Go and listen for yourself and make your own decisions. Yes. You're all smart enough to formulate. Read about them. Go to their campaign website. It's websites. just lazy is what it is. And Yeah, because if you let somebody else tell you who these people are, they're going to tell you whatever they want you to believe about them. So go do your own homework. It's mm-hmm. important. Um. So lastly, how should Christians pray about this? Uh, well, do you want to read, honey, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 3? First of all, then, I urge that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made 
on behalf of all people, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. Yeah, so, you know, we ought to be praying for our leaders. Um, We should be praying that God would first off give us leaders that are, you know, godly and and those leaders that help us live godly lives. I think that's something we should be praying for. Um, And this Mm -hmm. election is no different. Um, So again, I think also we should pray that we don't get duped, you know, so pray for wisdom like Asa Hutchinson said he does, um, that, you know, we wouldn't be tricked by those who take the Lord's name in vain claiming to be Christian, but then lead us in completely ungodly ways. As again, we've seen from many elections gone by, you know, they'll tell you they're Christian to appease the conscience, but then nothing they do has any resemblance of what a Christian would do um, in this nation. I think if we are asking God for a godly leader, he will answer that prayer and he will give us wisdom and discernment. Um, so I think he will provide. I think we cry out to God and we ask him, why would he not provide? Yeah. I doubt God. Why pray then? And don't be <laughs> sure on who he's going to provide, right? You know, if you talk about, well, this person said they're a Christian, over 50% of Christians voted for Barack Obama and Joe Biden, and they've been some of the most divisive presidents in history. But then we've also seen um, non-Christians do more for the Christian cause of life than anyone else, right? Donald Trump's not a Christian, yet he comes in and he advocates in Roe versus Wade ends because of the judges he elects and stuff. So, you know, again, just pray that we're not easily duped, that we're not, you know, easily swayed by just marketing ploys and campaign, you know, slogans Whoever is president, they're not going to lead anyone to be saved. That's not their job. Like, No, they're not spiritual leaders. Nobody's going to be saved because of it. Um, we just want everyone to be blessed in this nation. Um, and it's yeah. our job to take the gospel, um, to out to everyone. So, yeah, I think we need to make that distinction. Like you said, we're not voting for a pastor. A, I mean, in a sense, we want them to be a spiritual leader and that we want them, we want them to be a Christian or to believe in godly principles, yeah, at least because yeah, even be evil great people if know they did. You know, it'd be great if you had a the most sold out Christian and the greatest boldest leader on the planet, but you very often or you very rarely get that combination. Yeah. So when you're faced with picking one or the other, again, we're voting for president. We need to get the best leader. Um, when you're dealing with your pastor, get the most godly. Um, when you're dealing with a president, get the best leader. So. Do you have any final thoughts here before we roll into our last few news topics that we just want to get out of the way here? Um, I did have a note down about, I think it was Vivek who was talking about it not being about Democrat or Republic. He just was talking about, is it American? Like, what is what does it mean to be an American? Yeah. I really like that he brought that up. That should be Well, and that's one definition. of his big pushes is that, you know, he's trying to uh, make the case that you know, a lot of Republicans are bad about this, right? Their whole candidacy is, look how bad the Democrats are. I'm not a Democrat. Vote for me. And he's like, you need to stop telling people what you're against and start telling them what you're for. Let's give mm-hmm. people a vision that they can follow. And 
again, he's a young, smart, successful guy. So maybe he's the right person to make that pitch. And um, yeah. he's done it every time I've heard him talk. So it seems to be something he's actually, you know, passionate about, which is nice to hear. Yeah, I like his passion. <laughs> the it's always the right time deal. Hey, want to go to Mickey D's for lunch? Ooh, let's go now. <laughs> but it's not lunchtime yet. If we're going to McDonald's, it's always the right time. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. There's a deal for every lunch hour at McDonald's. Now's the time to get two for $3.99. Mix and match a four-piece McNuggets, a McDouble, a McChicken, or a hot and spicy McChicken. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. And now a special motorcycle weather report from Progressive. And today, expect mostly sunny conditions with a high on life that can only come from cruising down the road on two wheels. Kids will wave, dogs will bark, and cyclists in padded shorts will instantly regret their chosen mode of transportation. Whereas you, on the other hand, will look super-duper cool. Back to you in the studio. This has been a special motorcycle weather report from Progressive, where every day's a beautiful day to ride with coverage from America's number one motorcycle insurer. Get a quote today and see what you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. All right. So for the last couple of news stories, like we talked about, we just wanted to kind of jump back to what we discussed last week, um, which was our discussion on should Christians um, stay in these more secular states or should they leave to a place that might be a bit easier for them to practice their faith? Um, so do you want to read this first headline, honey? Inside a father's fight to save his son in trans sanctuary state of California. And then this uh, subheading here. If you love your children, you need to flee California, state lawmaker warns. How dare he say such a thing? And then do you want to read this headline? School-based health clinics offer gender-affirming care at no cost to students in Seattle. Yep. So these are the two stories we wanted to kind of touch on that I saw this week. And I thought, oh boy, that's fitting from what we said last week. So in this first article here from California... It says, uh, talking about this law, it says, that law, which went into effect, amended California's Uniform Child Custody Jurisdiction and Enforcement Act. Changes to the statute permit California, uh, California state courts to trump the jurisdiction of other state courts where the parents might be prosecuted because harming children via chemical or surgical sex change procedures is prohibited. So now if you live in a state like, uh, I think Tennessee just outlawed this for minors, and you know your kid flees to California to get all the sex change hormones and stuff done, you know now they can't be punished in Tennessee because California is a sanctuary state, basically. Um, and then this other article here, this one comes you know, from Seattle, from Washington. It says, Health facilities located in at least two public schools in Seattle, Washington, are providing gender-affirming care to students while school staff are instructed to refrain from informing parents if their children identify as the opposite sex. So, you know, we discussed, again, like we mentioned last week, whether Christians should flee the more godless um, states in this country for those states, you know, like Iowa, that at least, you know, give the old hat tip to God. You know, they're not in complete defiance against him, it seems like. They're not led by outright demonic cohorts. Um, and this was largely our point. Um, 
that why subject yourself to living in environment environments like this, sending your kids to school like they are in Seattle when you don't have to. You don't have to send your kids there. You don't have to live in these plates where California is going to, you know, mm-hmm. you know, gender transition your kid without you knowing it and protect them even against you and all these sorts of things. You don't have to do it. Especially if you are not a person who can homeschool or send your kids to a private school and they have to go to public school, you have to move. You do. If you love your children, you will move to another state. You can't, you can't risk that. And it's so crazy that these schools don't trust parents, but the parents trust the school. Then why send your kid there if the schools don't trust you, that they're going to hide things about your kid to you. It doesn't make any sense to me. And what seems so odd to me is if you tell people like, hey, you should move from this state um, for a better job. You can move across the country and get a better job. You tell them that, that's good advice. They're happy for it. If you tell them to move from one place to another because the climate's better or the scenery's prettier, that's good advice. They're more than happy to get it, right? Even if you tell them to move for their child's education, they can get a better education somewhere. That's good. But if you tell them that they should move to a place where they can more freely practice their faith, unacceptable. Don't want to hear it. Um, Seemed very bizarre to me, but Mm -hmm. like you can call it faith, but you can call it parents' rights. You can call it protecting your child, right? Whatever else you want to call it makes no difference. But like to me, I consider, you know, sparing your child from publicly employed groomers. Um, I consider that a matter of faith. You might say it's education. Fine. So be it. Call it what you want. I call it a matter of faith. You know, yeah. I consider sheltering my kids or shielding them from You're... oppressive governments. I think that, you know, especially these governments that have already said, we're going to take your kids if you don't, you know, affirm what they're doing. If you don't comply with their childish fantasies, we're going to take them. I consider that a matter of faith. I think you're being a good steward over what God has blessed you with by moving so your child can go to a school where they're not being brainwashed or pitted against you. Right. And again, this is not a, you know, a missionary who's knowingly gone to a, a hostile country to share the gospel and you understand the risks before you go so you don't flee when the heat's turned up. This is like, mm-hmm. I mean, we live in a nation where outside of probably pockets in Alaska, everybody has heard or has an opportunity to hear the gospel. You're just, and most of these people are not ministers or pastors or missionaries. They're just people living and working. So it's not like you're fleeing this Christian persecution and failing to do your duty. You're just getting out of a place that's bad into a place that's better. I mean, again, call it faith, call it parenting, call it job opportunities, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, really makes no difference to me. But God has people move for one reason, and you see that it was for another reason. Like, God does have a greater plan when he puts it on your heart to move, whether it be for the reasons we're talking about or some other, whatever reason it is. God puts the desire in your heart, and then God already has something planned where you move and you're like, oh, that's why we really move because God was doing this, but he put it in my heart to move for this other reason. You're not 
sovereign. You're not, you don't know God's plans. He probably has a plan for someone to hear the gospel, but he's using this situation in California to get you to move. You think you're moving for one reason, but it's another. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, and even that, like if you move from Iowa or from California to Iowa and your kid who was struggling with gender dysphoria moved to a state where it was outlawed for them to get the care that California would so willing or not Mm -hmm. even care, I shouldn't call it care, um, (laughs) you know, wouldn't allow them to go down this gender transition path. And because you move out of the state, your kid's allowed to go through puberty. They naturally grow out of this phase Mm -hmm. and become, you know, comfortable and happy with who they are. Would you not be like, thank you, Lord, that you got us here and away from that and spared my daughter or my son? You can't act like we're so religious, like spiritually godly because we sacrifice our children because we think that we're going to be bold enough to share the gospel when nobody really shares the gospel. Like that's just a dumb reason. Well, and you can, yeah. And I mean, you can share the gospel anywhere, anywhere you go. Yeah. You know, but also again, right. Like we're not fleeing persecution for persecution's sake necessarily. And you're not necessarily even fleeing. You live in America. You right. can walk across the state border. We're not fleeing. Um, yeah. It's not like you're the early church and you're moving into Ephesus and they've never heard of the Christian faith and you're resolved to share that message. Yeah. And it's I know someone time. who moved, they sold their house and moved maybe 20 minutes away because their neighbors were not nice. Now, were they wrong to move and they should have just stayed and over and over again, tried to share the gospel and love on these neighbors? Their kids were scared. They moved because their kids were scared. They couldn't sleep at night because their neighbors were so loud. As long as they say they moved to up their property values, then they're fine. They moved for faith reasons unacceptable. So did they flee their neighborhood to move 20 minutes away? Was that wrong? It's kind of like you're moving to, you want to protect your children. Like that's a different kind of, you want to feel safe. What's wrong with that? It's not that they were seeking luxury. They downsized their house. They just wanted to feel safe. Yeah. And I mean, again, not everyone's going to feel the way that we do on this. I just think, call it what you want to call it. If it's not, if faith, you can't cross that hurdle um, to call it faith, but it's just better parenting, protecting your children. Mm-hmm. Sure, call it that. If God gives you opportunity, why not take it? So um, do you have any final thoughts here just on this? Uh, moving, we probably won't touch on this again next week. Um, but then we'll just get into our last story here. If you don't have anything else to say mm-hmm. on that. No. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't seem to bother me quite as much as it bothers others. And I'm not saying I'm right and they're wrong. I'm just saying I don't get it. Uh, so this last story here that we want to talk about is from uh, Vice President Kamala Harris. Uh, I've seen this story making its rounds. And uh, this is kind of the newest attack on Ron DeSantis. We talked about earlier, he seems to be the one that they're the most scared of, uh, maybe because he seems to be the most action-oriented of them. So let's listen to Vice President Kamala Harris. Just yesterday.
yesterday in the state of Florida, they decided middle school students will be taught that enslaved people benefited from slavery. They insult us in an attempt to gaslight us, and we will not stand for it. Okay, I haven't heard this yet. This is the one that I Yeah, I Nikki didn't. didn't hear this clip yet. I just added it in here at the end. Um, so, yeah, Vice President Harris is not at all pleased um, that middle school students in Florida will be told anything positive um, came about from slavery. To? Well, I'm about to touch on it here in a okay, second. Okay. Um, yeah, so she, I mean, you could even see if you saw the video, she seems upset. Yeah. Um, even in the way she looks. Um, but I just thought it was interesting to hear this clip from her that they're teaching them this stuff that they shouldn't be teaching them. Because um, I read, I looked it up, and I found this interview she did with Brian Tyler Cohen last year. Um, and she said, we all know your right to vote and the action of voting unlocks all other rights including whether we are going to stand up against the law that says don't say gay, restricting kindergarten through third grade teachers to be able to love openly and teach what they believe is important for people to understand. So here we have Kamala Harris, vice president. On one hand, her opinion is students as early as kindergarten, elementary school, they need to and can benefit from learning about homosexuality gender ideology, sex toys, and all the like. But on the other hand, you cannot learn that there were any benefits whatsoever to slavery, right? Even if it was 99% bad and 1% good, you simply cannot teach that. It's reprehensible. Um, so this article that they uh, were, oh, I think that was the old one. Um, let me see if I can, I don't think I pulled that article up. Uh, if I can find it, I'll link it down in the show notes. But I read this article about, well, what is it exactly that Florida's teaching that has our vice president so upset? And uh, this article came from the New York Post. And it says that in Florida, they will be teaching how, uh, or how slaves developed skills, which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefits. Um. And then it goes on, it says, a high school lesson from the 1920, I don't know if it's Ocoee, the 1920 Ocoee massacre, calls for teachers to discuss violence perpetuated against and by African Americans. It suggests that the Ocoee massacre was sparked by violence from African Americans. That's blaming the victim, said State Senator Geraldine Thompson. Um, so that's... Just some of the things that they're talking about teaching there, right? In some instances, what a slave might have learned could have benefited them later, you know, a skill or a trade or something to that effect. Like, is and it then, wrong to talk about any positives that come out of a bad situation? That's what she's upset about? Right. That's what she seems to be upset about is that somehow in any way painting anything positive coming from slavery is bad. People don't need to know about it. People say with the Holocaust that positives came from it. Right. I mean, people the will talk science, about, you know, yeah, the science from those German scientists was great. Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, but it's just funny on one hand, right? You cannot talk about it. You should not speak about it. But you know, on the other hand, kindergartens need to learn about their gender ideology and who they want to sleep with when they're like, are you insane? Why would kids need to know about that? 
Um, but then even the second part here, to you know, they're talking about well, we're going to teach them that violence was uh, brought about on these African Americans, but also African Americans committed violence on each other. And they're like, whoa, you're blaming the victim there, which is dumb because it's not blaming the victim if in fact it's true. Now, I don't know if it's true. I don't know anything about the 1920 Akoi, if I'm even saying it right, massacre. Um, but that would be the equivalent of saying like, there's violence against the black community in America today. And you're only allowed to discuss white cops violence against black America. If you bring up black on black crime, you're victim blaming. You're like, that's ridiculous. Both can be true. Yes. And you can discuss both of them. Um, <laughs> so I just brought it up. I think this is like politicking at its finest um, because if they're against teaching something in school, um, I don't know. It's just, it's bizarre the way that they pick and choose the thing that they're for and the thing they're against. Um, it just, I don't know. I'd be interested to see how people feel about this. Cause obviously when you bring up slavery, people's hair stands up on the back of their neck and it's generally not an issue that you discuss in a positive light in this nation. Um, but it's just weird, right? Cause the juxtaposition is if they are against teaching something in school, we're going to trash them. They took out, you know, the don't say gay bill, we're going to trash them. But then if they do teach something in school, well, we're going to trash them for that too. So you're darned if you do, you're darned if you don't. Mm. Um, but to me, it's just all nonsense. It's all made up controversies yeah. to, it, the way I see it, to scare minority communities that That's all. may be considering and They're Ron always DeSantis. emotional like that too. Yeah. This super emotional. That's how they get you stirred up. Yeah. I mean, and again, it just seems like scare you back into line so that you don't consider voting for this guy who he thinks it was great that you were in slavery and you're like, that's they only not at all make says, their right? change through fear or hatred. That's how they, that's how Satan operates. Yeah. So they're going to, you know, turn that tactic yeah. on Ron DeSantis. He's going to be the next guy that, and he already is, right? He's smeared for being a racist. He's going to be a sexist. He's going to be a bigot. You guys know the drill by now. It's all going to be dumped on him. Um, the godless left will roll out every attack under the sun him. and they'll just really see do. what sticks, right? Um, they'll find out which of these isms sticks best to them, and then they'll just go full bore on it. So, um, and the thing is, too, even discussing this idea of is there good that came from slavery? You know, I think as Christians, we should be a, well aware that God can turn what people meant for evil for good. Um, Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Let me see if I can pull that up. You guys are familiar with the verse? Uh, it says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that's Joseph, yeah, right, in Egypt, who was a slave himself, right? But so to suggest that though slavery was evil, um, that there was nothing positive that came from it. God uses all things. Yeah, you're just denying that God had a plan in it. Yeah, I think you're denying God's sovereignty in yeah. that situation because if God is sovereign over it and God works all things together for the good of those who love him, Romans 8, 28 teaches us that, then something positive did come out of it. Um, you know, and I think the problem is humans, you know, and even minorities, right, um, is the Democrat Party may push back on that and they don't seem to believe it, but 
they can walk and chew gum at the same time, right? Like they can or simultaneously be taught that slavery was really bad, awful, should never be, you know, accepted in any respect. But also there might've been some people who took skills from that difficult time um, and benefited from those without somehow now believing, well, I guess slavery's good. That one guy benefited and learned a skill that turned in, you know, once he was freed, became profitable. Now I guess we should enslave people. Like people don't actually think that way. You don't have to be afraid of that. You can say, man, slavery is really awful. It, a horrible stain on this nation. But you want to hear some positive? This guy did this, that, and the other thing. That's awesome. Um, so you can walk and chew gum at the same time. And to me, I this just comes across as like, the same thing we kind of talked about with affirmative action. It's the racism of lowered expectations. You know, oh, if you happen to tell somebody that something good came from slavery, well, everyone's going to think slavery is good and we're going to have slavery coming back, right? It's just nonsense. Um, it's politicking at its finest yeah. or it's politicking at its worst, you could probably say. Um, and we, especially as Christians, should reject it. We understand God is sovereign over everything. Mm -hmm. um, he... He can bring about good from bad situations, which he did. Um, mm -hmm. So and ultimately, I saw this, and like you said, I think it's just more evidence that Ron DeSantis is the candidate that the left fears the most. Um, I think mm -hmm. they hate Donald Trump with a burning passion, but I think they fear Ron DeSantis. Um, I agree. Yeah. So this episode ran a lot longer than last week's, but we didn't make a promise about this one. So I thought about that too. Be easy like, with us. Mm. <laughs> a lot of candidates to get through. Um, but do you have any final thoughts on anything we talked about today before we get to our recommended listening? It's not a sermon. Yeah, I just want to hear from you guys if there's anything about any of these candidates that we didn't mention that people might want to know. And please send us a link. We like to have facts, like I said, and not just gossip <laughs> about them. Uh, yeah, please just send that, send that to us. Yeah, we'd love to hear about it. You know, this is uh, election season, you know, every four years is gearing up. So we'll probably be discussing this quite a bit because it's very important um, in this nation. Mm -hmm. So we'd love to hear from you guys what you thought about the candidates. And uh, that's going to be our recommended listening for the week. If you haven't watched the Blazes um, Summit, that we were just kind of referencing here. That's going to be linked down in the show notes. Go give it a listen. Um, I mean, the whole thing's like eight hours long. You can, right. you can fast forward to the... <laughs> fast forward to the candidates or, you know, just yeah. listen to it over a couple of days. And then let us know what you think. You know, certainly don't take our opinion um, or our decisions on candidates to be the be-all, end-all. You know, we'd love to hear from you guys what you think, you know, what you believe, what you don't believe, all that sort of stuff. And we need to hear the info just as much as anybody. So um, come let us know in the comments, jump on social media, let us know, send us an email, whatever you want. We'd love to hear from you guys. But otherwise, we'll be back on Monday, daily devotionals through the Gospel of Luke. Um, still going through there. And then, uh, yeah, we'll see what next week throws at us. God bless. God bless.